Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Um, real quickly, can you guys pray for Heather and McKenna? They need your prayers big time. Today, they are leaving today to go to our youth camp to spend the week with second and third graders all week long. So... Let's pray for them. Let's pray uh, for patience and uh, grace and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, This past week, fourth and fifth graders were at our youth camp. Um, This week is second and third graders. This coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is kindergarten and first graders, which your boy's going to be at with TJ. We will be there this weekend um, sweating it out like crazy at the youth camp. So let's pray for our camps all summer long. Um, I've seen God move in plenty of lives at camp. We're expecting him to continue and do it this year and the next and the next and the next and the next. Amen. All right, I'm going to talk fast, y'all listen fast. Ready? Ready? Listen, if you listen fast, you've got to respond fast, okay? Ready? Here we go. Uh, I want to take a few minutes this morning to share with you um, what do you do when life's not fair? What do you do when you get a raw deal? What do you do when uh, you've done nothing wrong but still come out on the short end of the stick? What do you do when life's not fair? Before I tell you that, let me tell you this. Life's not fair. Amen? Life's not fair. Now, when I say life's not fair, I mean something completely different than what you think I mean when I say life's not fair. When I say life's not fair, you may be thinking, well, he's talking about when bad stuff happened to good people, right? Can we all agree that that's true too, right? Life's not fair because bad stuff happens to good people. When I say life's not fair, I'm talking about the flip-flop. I'm talking about good things that happen to bad people. And can I tell you, it's a good thing today that life's not fair because good things happen to bad people. And you may be thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You and I today, spiritually speaking, we're bad people. Whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, today you and I, We're born as sinners in a sinful world. Spiritually speaking, we are dead. But good things happen to bad people. I'm thankful today that God's not fair because if God was fair, you and I today deserve eternal separation from God. But that's not what we have to enjoy today. Amen? Today, we have the ability, even though we are bad people, even though we are separated from God, even though we are born as sinners into a sinful world, even though through all of that, today, you and I have the hope of heaven. 
because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of faith, because uh, God sent his only begotten son to die so that whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. I am thankful today that bad people don't always get bad things. I am thankful today that God in heaven can look down at a bunch of bad people in Asheboro, North Carolina, can look down at a bunch of people who are separated from him and love us us all the same and send his son Jesus for me the bad one for Joya the bad one for my I'm not telling Kelly she's bad for Bill the bad one I am saying for all of us today you and I are in rough shape but we still have the hope of heaven today so when I say life's not fair I'm not talking about the bad things that happen to good people I am thankful today that good things happen to spiritually bad people. Amen. So what do you do in our physical life when life's not fair? When you get a raw deal, when you get the short end of the stick, what do you do when you get a bad report from the doctor and you did nothing wrong? What do you do when you get laid off from your job and you did nothing wrong? What do you do when a family member leaves you behind, a friend leaves you behind, and you did nothing wrong? What do you do when you're lied to or lied about and you've done nothing wrong? How do you respond in those situations? We're going to look at a story. We're actually going to look at 13 chapters of Scripture uh, today, but I'm not going to read 13 chapters. I'm going to give you the, um, the, the Jernigan version edition of Genesis chapter 37 through 50 quickly because I'm talking fast, you're listening fast. Amen? All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 37 through 50. It's about a full story about a full lifetime of a young man named Joseph. Later next year, sometime next year, we're going to do a whole sermon series on the whole life of Joseph. Joseph, Joseph, of Joseph, where we look at more detail about what I'm getting ready to share with you broadly today. But you're listening fast, I'm talking fast, so I'm going to share the broad scope with you today. Genesis 37 through 50 is about Joseph. Joseph was born to Jacob. You guys know Jacob. Jacob was the one that wrestled with God, and God kind of popped his hip, and he walked with a limp. Joseph was one of 12 sons born to Jacob. Jacob was uh, Isaac's son, who was Abraham's son, who God had promised to be the father of many nations. Everybody follow so far? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Well, here's the deal with Joseph. Joseph had a dream. In Joseph's dream, he saw his other brothers uh, were going to bow down to him. One day, they were going to worship him. One day, they were going to bow down in front of him. So, Joseph went and told his brothers what he had saw. Went and told him about the dream and said, Hey, boys, one day, you're all going to bow down to me. Now, I don't have any brothers. But those of you that do, especially those of you that have younger brothers, anybody got a younger brother who's just kind of, who's just kind of always there, never does anything good, he's just always kind of tagging along? Anybody got one of those brothers? I'm, I'm happy that you don't say it if you do. That's wonderful. So Joseph was that brother. He went to the older brothers. He said, one day you're going to bow down to me. The older brothers were like, shoot, that ain't the way life works, little bro. So what did they do? Did what any brothers would do. They threw him in a pit. They dug a hole. They threw him in a pit. And then they decided, this isn't good enough. Maybe we should kill him. And they're like, no, we can't kill him. He's our brother. Dad loves him. The brothers knew that Joseph was the favorite son to Jacob. They're like, we can't kill him. I got an idea. 
about that time a caravan come through with slaves. They said, let's sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery. They put him on the caravan on the way to Egypt. They went back and told dad, said, dad, we got bad news. You know that son you love a whole lot? That son you love a whole lot, Joseph? Well, he's dead. A wild animal come up and ate him up, and he is dead. Jacob was upset, tore his clothes, cried, wailed, mourned because he lost his son, Joseph. Meanwhile, Joseph was in the caravan on the way to Egypt and sold into slavery. Once he got to Egypt, he ended up at a guy named Potiphar's house. Everybody say Potiphar. Potiphar was an official in Pharaoh's army, in Pharaoh's regime. He worked underneath Pharaoh. So Jacob, or Jacob, Joseph ended up in Potiphar's house working for Potiphar and doing a pretty good job, doing such a good job that Potiphar put him in charge of his whole house. He was in charge of the whole house. Nothing happened inside of Potiphar's house that Joseph did not know about, that Joseph did not um, um, have done. Uh, Je- Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's whole house. The Bible says that Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph, because of Joseph, Joseph's heart and Joseph did such a good work. Not only was he blessed, but Potiphar was blessed. But Potiphar had a wife. Potiphar's wife really liked Joseph. And when I say really liked Joseph, she really liked Joseph. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? She really liked Joseph a lot. She wanted, Joseph may have looked good, did the Potiphar's wife, I don't know. She wanted to have a relationship with Joseph. You know what I'm saying when I say relationship? Everybody listen, y'all listening fast? I'm talking fast. Listen to me. When I say a relationship, this means they're married. When I say relationship, you know what I'm saying. Okay, she wanted to have a relationship with Joseph. Joseph's like, no, 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 you're Potiphar's wife. That ain't the way I roll, and you shouldn't roll like that either. So what she did, she was upset because she got shot down, so she set Joseph up. She made it look like he was trying to have a relationship with her, so she got him thrown into jail. She went and told her husband, Potiphar, said, you won't believe what Joseph tried to do with, do with me. You won't believe what he said to me. We need to throw him in jail. So Potiphar, of course, believed his wife. And they threw Joseph in jail. While Joseph was in prison, he met two people. He met a cupbearer that worked under Pharaoh, and he met a baker that worked under Pharaoh. The cupbearer and the baker both had dreams. Joseph said, you know what, boys? I'm kind of cool with dreams. Like, I had a dream before, and I told my brothers what's going to happen. They didn't believe me, but I'm kind of cool with dreams. Tell me your dreams. Maybe I can tell you what's going to happen. So they told him the dream. Joseph said, ah, no problem. I got this. Here's what's going to happen. Told the cupbearer in three days. Three days, you're going to be restored back to your job under Pharaoh. You're going to be back in your position under Pharaoh. Told the baker, in three days, you're going to die. Three days, you got your job back. Three days, you're going to die. Sure enough, three days later, the cupbearer got out of prison, got his job back with Pharaoh, working under Pharaoh. And sure enough, three days later, the baker died. When the cupbearer was leaving prison to go back to his job under Pharaoh, Joseph told him the words. He said, hey, bro, remember me when you get to Pharaoh's house. Don't forget me. Remember me when you get to Pharaoh's house. What happened? He forgot him. Joseph was in prison for two more years. Two years later, while Joseph has been sitting in prison, guess what? Pharaoh had a dream. He had a dream, and he didn't know what the dream meant, so he got his magicians to come in. He got his astrologers to come in. He said, i got to figure out what this dream means. This is a big-time dream. God's trying to tell me something. I've got to figure this out. 
Nobody could help him out. Nobody could tell him. Nobody could tell him what the dream meant. All of a sudden, the cupbearer remembered, hey, wait a minute. I met this guy in prison. This guy in prison told me what my dream was going to be. He also told the baker what his dream was going to be. It didn't work out so good for him as it did for me. But this guy named Joseph is in prison right now. He may could help you out. So Pharaoh got Joseph to come up out of prison and said, hey, listen, here's my dream. Joseph said, I know what the dream means. The dream means this. Egypt is going to have seven years of good times, seven years of prosperity, seven years of a lot of food, seven years of happiness, seven years of a lot of money. Everything's going to be good for seven years. Then the second seven years, the next seven years is going to be a worldwide famine. It's going to be terrible. There's going to be no food. There's going to be no money. People are going to get sick. People are going to die. It's not going to be good. Here's what you need to do. You need to start preparing in the good seven years. Be prepared for the bad seven years because you know ahead of time that the bad seven years are coming. So let's get prepared during the good seven years. And so Pharaoh thought, that's a wonderful idea. So he put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. He was in charge of collecting grain and collecting food from all of Egypt so that during the bad seven years, everybody would have food. They could come to Egypt. They could give out the food. They could sell the food, whatever, so that people would not die as if they were, didn't have any food beforehand. Everybody follow. Remember Jacob, or Joseph's family, Jacob and the other brothers, where they lived, they, famine hit them hard. They had no food. They were hungry. They were starving. They didn't know what was going on. Jacob sent the other brothers to, to Egypt to get some food, to buy some food, to trade for some food. While they were there, they come up to Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph because he looked different. They hadn't seen him in a long time. They didn't know that the guy they sold into slavery was now going to be running all of Egypt. So they said, listen, we need some food. My dad and family were back. Joseph recognized them. He gave them some food. There's a whole big story of their interaction together, and we'll go through that in detail some other time, but not today. So they went back and forth a couple times. He gave them some food. They brought back. He kept a brother. They gave him some other food. He slid some gold and silver in their bags so he could get them to come back, all that kind of good stuff. Long story short, Jacob and all the brothers finally come to Egypt, and Joseph said, boys, y'all don't realize it. You don't realize who you're talking to. Jacob, you're my dad. Boys, you're my brothers. It's me. It's Joseph. The one you threw in the pit. The one you sold in the slavery. The one you told dad that got ate by a beast that died. No, no, no. That is me. What a, what a life. That's a heck of a movie, ain't it? Wonderful. What a life. Think back of those, that, that little synopsis I just told you of Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And think of all the raw deals that Joseph had happened to him. That wasn't his fault. He got thrown into a pit. He did nothing wrong. Sold into slavery. Did nothing wrong. Worked underneath Potiphar. Did nothing wrong. Got thrown into prison for not doing something. Nothing wrong. Was in prison. Did nothing wrong. The cupbearer forgot about him. He did nothing wrong. All the raw deals, all the short straws that he drew, all the struggles that he went through, and he did not deserve any of it. So I want to encourage you today with three quick things. And when I say quick things, I mean quick things. Three quick things of what you can do when life is tough. When life is a struggle, when life is in a valley, when you get a raw deal and you did nothing wrong. Three quick things. Number one is we have to be honest with God in prayer. We have to be honest with God in prayer. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't pray a lot. Well, okay, 
1A, we got to start praying. 1B, when we pray, we got to start being honest with God in prayer. We've talked about this before with a couple other, other aspects. Just let me share quickly with you. When we're honest with God in prayer, it changes our whole life. But we don't even like to be honest with people. So it's that much harder for us to be honest with God. Amen? How many times have you walked into this building on Sunday mornings and somebody said, how are you doing? You'd say, fine, but you're not. How many times do you go to a restaurant and eat lunch or you run into somebody that you see and they say, how's the family? Wonderful. No, they're not. We like to hold back our struggles. We like to hold back our bad stuff. We like to hold back our failures and our weaknesses from other people. Lord knows if I don't want Ed to find out, I surely don't want God in heaven to find out. But when we are honest with God in prayer, Psalm 145 says this. David says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Where is the Lord when we speak to him in truth? He's near. For us, out of our weakness, we like to withhold. We like to pull back. We like to isolate. The Word says that when we are honest, when we're open, the Lord doesn't hold back from us, but the Lord gets closer and closer and closer and closer. While we want to pull back and back and back, God wants to move closer and closer and closer. And the only way that happens is through honesty. Can you imagine me and this lovely young lady right here? Lovely, talented, gorgeous, best educator I've ever seen in my life. It's my baby mama. Two-time baby mama. Can you imagine our relationship growing closer together if I'm not honest? If she's not honest? Can you imagine your relationships growing closer together if there's not honesty there? The same is true in our relationships with God the Father. And our honesty is when we grow closer to the Lord. Can I tell you real quickly, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to tell God you don't understand. It's okay to tell God that you're angry. It's okay to tell God that you don't understand, that you're confused, that you're frustrated. Maybe you've been in a valley for years and years and years, and you're tired of it, and you don't see, a, you don't see the end game, you don't see the finish line. It's okay to share your full emotions, your full honest emotions with God. Why? Two reasons. One, God can take your honesty. God's not intimidated by your frustration. God welcomes it. Why does God welcome it? Number two, because he loves us. Because out of that frustration, out of that honesty, what happens? We get closer, nearer, closer, closer, only through honesty. It only happens when we're open and honest with God. I really, really am thankful today that God can take my weaknesses, God can take my struggles, and use them to minister to people around me. You ever seen that in your life? You ever had something in your life that you struggled with, and God used it in a great way to bless somebody else? I am thankful today that God doesn't only use what I'm good at, 
Now, he does use what I'm good at because he gave me those skills and talents and abilities to begin with, right? But he also takes my struggles. He also takes my pain. He also takes my frustration. He also takes my emotions that I have and uses those to minister to people around us if we are honest with him and allow him to. Number two, when life gives us a raw deal, it's important that we see the big picture. It's important that we see what all's going on. Lots of times when we're in a valley and we're in a struggle, we have blinders on, and all we see is what's in front of us. We have no clue that there's stuff here. We have no clue that there's stuff here or even here. All we see is what is here. Think about the life of Joseph that we just went through. Look how everything led to the end game. Joseph, uh, his, his dream led to, his, led to a pit. The pit led to slavery. Slavery led to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house led to prison. Prison led to a cupbearer. The cupbearer led to Pharaoh. Pharaoh led to him being in charge of Egypt. Him being in charge of Egypt led to his whole family being able to have food to live on. Can you imagine if Joseph had blinders on in Potiphar's house and he never understood that maybe just maybe God wants to use all of this for him and for his family. Can I share with you today, whatever your struggle may be, whatever your valley may be, there's more going on than what you can even see that is going on. God is still working in your weakness. God is still working in your lacking. God is still working in your valley. There's more going on around you than what you see going on. You Would you like an example? Thank you, because I've got a couple. Thank you. You may see today as you being a single parent as a weakness. God may see it as you being able to minister to other single parents and minister to people that nobody else can impact. God takes your struggle and uses it for his good. Today you may find yourself struggling with depression or struggling with a mental illness or struggling with emotional, um, emotional um, distress. Can I share with you today, you may see that as a problem. God sees it as an answer because you will be able to minister to people and in ways that other people, like myself, never will be able to because God can minister out of your weakness. There's more going on than what you see going on. You may think today, well, gosh, man, I lost my job. That's a problem, no doubt. But what if God sees it as an answer? What if God can use your lack of a job, you getting, you getting, um, you getting fired, laid off, whatever, from your job? What if God can take that bad part of your life and turn around and use it for good? Y'all, there is more going on than what you can see going on. Just because you're in a valley, God does not mean that God's not working around you. Just because you're in a struggle, that does not mean that God's not working around you. Number three, when you find yourself in a raw deal, when you find yourself in a struggle, pray honestly, know that there's more going on than what you can see going on. And number three, Trust that God is sovereign. Trust that God is sovereign. Who was uh, Joseph's uh, great-grandpa? Anybody remember? Abraham. And God promised Abraham what? Be the father of many nations. 
God made that promise to Abraham. He made that promise to his son, Isaac. He made that promise to his son, Jacob. And then Joseph is a part of that promise as well. You think Joseph knew about that promise to his daddy, Jacob? Yeah. You think Joseph knew about that promise to his grandpa, Isaac? Yeah. You think Joseph knew about that promise to his great-grandpa, Abraham? Yeah. So Joseph went through a pit, went through slavery, Potiphar's house, prison, and finally working at Pharaoh's house. All the time he knew God's plan for our family is to be a father of many nations. Can I share with you today, and may you believe and accept today, that trusting in God's plan, trusting in God's plan, is always better than you trying to do your own thing. Can you imagine what would have happened to the Jewish people? Can you imagine what would have happened to the, to the bloodline of Jesus if Joseph would have responded to the pit, would have responded to slavery, would have responded to Potiphar's house, would have responded to prison with anger, with resentment, with frustration? No, he trusted in God's plan. If God's plan caused him to go through a pit, so be it. I'll trust God in a pit. If God's plan called him to trust God in slavery, so be it. I will trust God in slavery. If God's plan goes through Potiphar's house, I'm trusting God. If God's plan goes through prison, I'm trusting God. God's plan goes through Pharaoh's house. I'm trusting God. Can I encourage you today, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, the best thing you can do is to trust God working in your life, to trust the overall plan of God the Father in your life today. Can we all agree life's not fair? Can we all agree that God still works in unfairness? That God still works in the valley. God still works in our frustration and our lack of understanding. Because he is faithful. He is sovereign. He is strong enough. And it's up to us whether we are going to trust him. That he knows what he's doing. And not let our plans and our ideas get in the way. Amen.